Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, church, again, and happy Sunday. Have you ever really paused to think what is really being asked when you ask the question, why? Why did this happen? Why did this not happen? There's no reason for that. Why? They did nothing wrong. They were innocent. Why? The truth is, what we're really asking is a heart question. It's a heart question. Why they do that? What, what's going on in here that they thought that that was okay? We're pointing at the heart. Why is a very powerful and emotionally charged question that if we're honest about it, we've all asked why. And maybe, like me, you even dared to ask God, why? God, why? Am I the only one in the room that's ever asked God why? Mm, the rest of you are chicken. You're not raising your hands. We've all asked. We went, maybe we weren't happy to ask, but we asked in our hearts, why God? A true why question comes from a very deep pain, deep sorrow, deep loss, deep trauma, a deep betrayal, abandonment. It's deep. It leaves us with more questions than answers. And maybe part of the reason that we ask the why question is because we're trying to make sense out of it when there's no way to make sense out of it. We find we've got to find some kind of logic and understanding, and we can't seem to find it. We're all trying to reconcile the pain, trying to reconcile the suffering, the needlessness of it all. Why? Because it's wrong. So like the kids, when they pull out their little coloring books and they have all these dots and the numbers and they take their crayon and they go from one to two and three and four and five and all of a sudden they get all 20 of them and it makes a picture. So we are busy trying to take the dots in our life so we can connect it from there to here to there to there so that we can somehow get this divine picture by connecting the dots. And the truth is, the dots don't connect. So we're left with screaming out, Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. Now the truth is, when the emotion is this high and it's this thick that you can cut it with a knife, we can't seem to reconcile it. That's when we are at risk of not just asking God why, but blaming God for why it even happened. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous, folks. 
So today, we're going to go in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. And I want to give us a little bit of a backstory as we go into this. This is the story of Jesus has been born. He's probably more of a toddler at this time. And the Magi have gone and spoken with Herod about where is the Messiah, the Christ, right? And we've seen Him. We've seen the star, right? The star of Bethlehem. And so they've gone, they have fed, the Magi have found Jesus, they've given their gifts, and now they're being told by a dream to go another way because Herod was going to do bad to everybody involved. So they went another way. And this is where we're beginning to pick up this passage, and there's a lot more, and we'll get into it as we read the text. So follow along as I read. When it was time to leave, they, meaning the Magi, returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Did you catch that part? For God had warned them in a dream. God was communicating. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I mean, in the midst of whatever's going on in this crazy world, God is speaking, and this is key. When there is trauma, when there is loss, when there is nothing going right and nothing makes sense, be careful of your heart. If your heart's right, you can hear what God's saying in the midst of trauma. When you get crazy mad and you get upset and you get offended and you get bitter and you get angry and you start putting your fists up at God and start blaming God, these ears turn off. My heart will not let my ears hear when I'm in that state. I say this from experience. God, forgive me. Be careful. I don't care how bad it hurts. You need to hear God in the middle of the bad. Watch your heart. Now here's the amazing thing, verse 14. That night, so he gets the dream, gets out of bed and says, come on, get the pack and play, get the bottles, get everything, load them up on the, on the cart, let's go! And the... And Mary's got to be rubbing around, what is wrong with you? But when he says God said something in a dream and woke me up, she didn't argue. She knew. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers. Oh, this is, this is heartbreaking. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Could, could you imagine? Everybody in a little place kind of like Woodbridge. And all you could hear is women crying, screaming. 
Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. Herod's no more. Verse 21. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus, his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, and I have a hard time pronouncing this, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He would be called a Nazarene. There's a lot going on in these verses. And the overwhelming trauma and the loss of these baby boys is just unbearable. The first question that most people would ask in the midst of this kind of trauma, in the midst of this kind of loss, people in Bethlehem, just like people of today, would be asking the question, why? Why? You know, to be honest, there are things that I've, have happened in my own life that I've asked why. And it's when we encounter those events that it seems there's no logic for that. There's no understanding for that. There's no reasoning for that. It's in those times when we're the most vulnerable, that evil will hit the hardest. Evil does not care about innocence or age. Evil does not care about justice or loyalty. It's evil. You want to know why we have such a hard time with evil? Because we cannot comprehend evil. There's no way. Because as bad as you may know some people, they would never do dot, dot, dot. And we do not comprehend evil. Not really. So as we look at this passage in chapter 2 of Matthew, there's, there's a few questions I want us to ask ourselves that I think will help us grow. Help us as we go through those why times in life. Now obviously the word why could be some other questions and whatnot, but I'm talking about the deep pain of when we ask why. But here, here these three questions, as we think about this text today, this passage, number one, what does this, pas- this passage teach me about God? What does this passage say about God? What do I see about God? That's the first thing. Number two, what does this passage teach me, show me, reveal to me about mankind and the enemy of my soul? What should I see about the dark side in this passage? And number three, how will I be different today because of what I just read? How will I be different because of what I've learned about God and what I've learned about the the darkness of the evil one? And what He can do in and through people. Am I going to change? See, there's an action step in that, isn't there? We're not just reading a newspaper. We're being changed 
because of what we just read. It impacts how we do life and how we do our faith. It's a simple approach, but I think it's really, really powerful, especially when we go through a season of why. God doesn't want us just to read it and be all about the information and the education and how depth and how good of a scholar I am about the Bible. If it is not impacting what I actually do, if it only impacts what you say and it doesn't impact what you're doing, you're living for yourself. These hands got to get dirty. They got to get dirty. We don't want to just be those who talk. We've got to be doers of the Word. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on the solid Jesus is saying, listen to my teaching and follow it. Not just acquire knowledge. So let's push away from the the why questions and maybe let's start asking the what questions. So, what does this passage teach me about God? It teaches me that God is guiding and communicating even in a time of trauma. That's what it teaches me. God was was on the mark. He was on the ball. This means God's active. It means God's aware. He's involved. And he's not ignoring you. Anybody ever feel like you're not valuable enough or that you're being ignored by God? Don't raise your hand. I get it. I'll raise them up for it's all. I want you to know He's involved. Remember, He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's involved. So now, what do we see God doing? He's guiding. He's communicating. Now, remember, a few times in this passage, He spoke. He spoke to the Magi. He said, don't go back to Herod. Go the other way. He spoke to Joseph. Get up and go to Egypt. Herod's going to try to kill the boy. He spoke again to, to Joseph. Joseph, get up. Time to go back home. Herod's gone. It's safe now. Return home. God is a communicator. He loves to speak to His people. In John 10, 24, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. God is the communicator. God, right? Listen to my voice. I know them and they, what? Follow me. In John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Huh. Jesus says, continues to say, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Woo! You want to embrace the word. Again, God is a communicator. And God speaks through His Son. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His, say it with me, his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. God, 
does continue to guide and speak to us today, not just in the days of the Bible. He does this through His Son, through Jesus the Christ. He speaks to His Son via the Scriptures, through His Son, via the cross, through His Son, via the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ. Oh, but pastor, how do we go forward? How do we go forward? This is where true faith comes in. By faith, I mean of having a true personal relational trust in God who loves me and cares for me. I'll be honest with you. My wife would share this with you if I gave her permission. That's because it's private. When I go through those really hard, heavy times, maybe you know what I'm talking about. You want to know one of the first lies I want to believe that I have to fight against? That God actually loves me. You see, if you believe the lie that God doesn't really, really love you, it's hard to stand on anything the Bible would ever say. You're not going to believe those promises. You're not going to believe greater is He that is within me than He that's in the world. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, you, you don't want to believe He's a chief cornerstone. You, don't, you, you, just, you just want to push all these things away. Why? You don't love me. You don't love me. If He loved me, this could have... Uh, do you see where I'm going? But if I'm unmovable, that He loves me no matter what. Try now. I'll show you my King. I'll show you that empty cross. I'll show you that empty grave. I'll show you that when we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. I'll show you that nothing is impossible with Him. If I believe that He loves me in spite of me, that I didn't have to do anything for Him to love me. See, I was adopted. We got these issues when we're adopted. We're trying to validate our worth. Right? So when things go wrong, we're, we're typically really, really, uh, we're workaholics. And we're always trying to validate our worth. Really messed up. Abandonment, rejection issues. But if I believe this one truth, that He loves me, really loves me, it doesn't matter what those things are. You see the difference? How about you? Do you actually believe He loves you? Or do you just say the Christian thing? Well, the Bible says He loves me, so therefore I'm fine. I, I, that, that's true. But I asked you, do you believe He loves you? I'm not asking if your grandma, if your mom, if your spouse knows that God loves you, but do you? Is it personal? It changes everything. That's how I can move forward. Because I know He loves me. And once I'm sold out because He loves me, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. 
It doesn't matter that I didn't get this. It doesn't matter I didn't get that. It doesn't matter that I didn't, this wasn't going to happen. Or that it, None of this stuff doesn't matter. Because He loves me. And that's for eternity. So let's go to this next question. What does this passage teach us about mankind and the enemy of our soul? Right? In our world, the enemy of our soul and mankind is... They're, they're the ones who are causing the drama, the pain, the trauma, and the loss. Let me give you an example. It was Herod who caused the death of those babies. Those baby boys. It was his sin within him. It was the enemy of our soul working in him and through him to send those soldiers to take out the lives of those little babies. You see that? That's incredibly important to catch. It's because of Herod that the Magi had to go home another way. It was because of Herod that Joseph had to go to Egypt. It was because of Herod that we have one of the most disturbing scenes in all of the Scriptures. The massacre of those innocent baby boys and what it did to all those families. This is a reminder of verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around, in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. What an evil act by Herod against these baby boys and their families. In verse 18, it says, A cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her. See, Rachel, remember Jacob? When Rachel was giving, giving birth to her son, who would later be named Benjamin, she, she had this horrible name for him. It was like all this misery and sorrow and everything. And she died at childbirth. It was horrible. And so what you find here is that Matthew is connecting the wailing of Rachel and all the loss and connecting it to here in, in Bethlehem with all these families. And refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. See, the evil one comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Right? John 10.10, 10. let's look at it together. The thief does not come except to, say it with me, steal and to kill and to destroy. Now let's read this last part together. Ready? Begin. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Whew. See, Jesus teaches us the evil one comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He's trying to give us the contrast. When this dark stuff happens, it's not from Jesus. Anybody get stuck there? Any drama filled with pain, any trauma or loss in our life is caused by the evil one or by someone else's sinful nature. Darkness is not caused by God. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. At all. At all. 
How much darkness is found in God? Maybe a little? No! None! So any darkness we suffer in life is never caused by God, but by the evil one or the evil inside of mankind or in ourselves. Do you know that pain can happen for a lot of reasons? People, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. There could be a lack of knowledge. Sometimes I do things that are just foolish and I, and I suffer. Sometimes other people do something foolish and we suffer. But this isn't really talking, I'm not looking to say, why do all the bad things? I, you know what? There's a plethora of things, but one thing's for sure. God's good. Can, can we focus on who He is instead of starting off with, why didn't He? Who's, who's the messed up one? The, the, the enemy of our souls. And then he, the father of lies gets us to blame God. And once I blame God, I can't hear God speak to me one iota. Careful of that. The evil one was working in and through Herod in that story. Evil was active back then, stealing, killing, destroying. And evil is still active in our world today. That's why some bad things can happen to really good people. But I want you to know something. I want you to know that God identifies with those suffering because He suffered too. What makes the Christian God so different from other gods is that in Christianity, God Himself suffered. God Himself was brutally and unjustly killed. The Lord can and does identify with those baby boys and the families in this horrible story. God knows firsthand the pain and the trauma of loss. Jesus, the Son, was illegally arrested, illegally tried. He was whipped and flogged and beaten. He was scorned. He was crucified. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. And He endured the death sentence reserved for the worst of all criminals, even though completely innocent. This means God understands our pain. He gets it. He gets pain. He gets loss. He gets trauma because He's experienced it all. He's experienced abandonment and rejection, betrayal, and instead of showering us with these easy answers from heaven and giving us some advice and some cliches, when we ask that question, why? Do you know that He's right there wanting to just easily just come and just, just sit there and just say, I'm here for you. To share it all. Just look Him right in the eye and just say, I got you. Just hear it. Do you know the Bible says He literally bottles our tears as a sense of remembrance before Him? He's not ignoring you and looking this way. He's right there saying, share it all. Share it all, my child. I want to hear it. Because I'm not abandoning you. But if I'm so angry 
and I'm so bitter, and I'm putting my fist to him, and I'm saying, why? I won't know he's sitting right there. I won't know he's right there saying, I'm here for you. Because he understands. He's offering his love. He's offering his presence. What right then and there begins the healing process in my soul. So let's ask this third and final question. How will I be different because of what I just read today? I think the answer to that would be, I will live in a relational trust relationship with God. I want to encourage you to live with relational trust in God. You can trust Him in the pit. He loves you. He cares for you. And He'll guide you. And He's speaking to you even in the midst of the storm. Again, don't trust God solely for a particular outcome. i got trust for you, God, as long as you do it this way, my way, my time, and on my schedule. How many know God doesn't work that way? If you haven't, it won't take long. You'll figure it out. He's God. Marvin's not. But I want to give you some good news. As we simply trust God, no matter what, if you're in a season where those why things are happening and you're just taking a beating, if you feel you know all too well the reality of the, of the evil one and how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I want you to know something really important. One day, Jesus is going to heal it all. He's going to wipe away every tear. And one day, everything is going to be put right. Everything. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone, say it with me, forever. I don't know about you, but that is some good news. It's going to be put right for those baby boys in Bethlehem. It's going to be put right for the innocent. It's going to be put right in your story, in your brokenness, in that shame, in whatever that was wrong that you were completely innocent in. It's going to be made right. If not in this time, in then, in heaven. But it's going to be made right. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to receive that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Oh, Jesus, we bless your holy name. Lord, if we're honest, we've all asked why. We couldn't reconcile in our minds what this was all about and why this happened, why that didn't happen, why we were denied this, why we were betrayed that, why we felt abandoned. We just asked the question, why? But Lord, if we're not careful, while I'm so busy asking why, I shut off my ears 
to hear the voice of God. And I won't hear him saying, as a point of rescue, go this way and stay away from Herod. Go this way in the middle of the night, Joseph. Take the boy, take the mother. I won't be able to hear because of my brokenness. But Lord, as I reach out to you, you'll begin to heal. Heal us, body, soul, and spirit. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.